Fred Penner was on the show today. He's performing this weekend at the Winnipeg International Children's Festival, and he performed for us as well. He had some wonderful things to say, and he sang us a wonderful song. It's Bomber Game Day. We talked sports with Jim Toth, asking the question, are the Bombers potentially aging out of a shot at the Grey Cup? And we had to talk to Jim as well about this PLD situation happening with the Winnipeg Jets. Do women make better leaders than men? And inspired by Madame Lorenz's trip to the museum, we had a lot of fun talking about field trip stories. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Friday, June 9th podcast for The Start. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb on Bomber Game Day, the regular season opener, and we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But before that, we have to share with you an off-air comment that one Greg (laughs) Mackling just made rather passionately about the Stanley Cup final, i.e., as I like to say, the North American Ice Hockey League Championship. I love my hockey. But, you know, it's a routine. You get into a routine during the playoffs. It's way too late to be playing hockey. But if you can't play these games every other night, give up. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so this is because the Panthers have now tied the series 2-2. Great game last night. I didn't even realize they were playing until I woke up this morning. Would you be saying this if it was the Jets playing June 8th, June 9th? But that's the point. That's what the (laughs) NHL misses. I know. They want people to tune in. Yeah, like... As you get closer to the championship, the interest is supposed to broaden. It is supposed to be larger and encompass more fans. With the NHL, unfortunately, what happens is the closer you get to the Stanley Cup final, it's really only the fans in those markets that are interested, gamblers, and those that just (laughs) are really fanatical about hockey. I love hockey, but I'm not sitting inside on on a Thursday night like we had last night to watch hockey. I'm out of the routine already. So you know, three nights between games. Give me a break. It made me laugh, Brett, because, you know, where we sit, usually by this point, we've all aired our grievances, a grievances of airing, airing of grievances has occurred. Yes. And, you know, like with the traffic the or the drive-in or like, you know, last night you won't believe what happened or the kids or there's always some sort of comment. And then at 6.04, just before the mics opened, why are we even playing? Like, just give up already. You can't play every night. And I thought, wow, I thought I'd already, hear, I'd already heard all his gripes for Friday, June 9th, but no. And you're right. It's, it is too late. And like, that was only game three, right? Yes. Game three. Yeah. So Vegas leads at two oh, games to one. I thought that one. was game four. See, I just said they were tied to the series was tied two two. But yeah, are you making a prediction for tomorrow night? Oh, that's assuming they're playing tomorrow night. Just this, uh, they're off tonight. Oh yes, they are playing tomorrow night. So okay. There you go. Seven o'clock local time. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Florida, Vegas. Yeah, I don't care. We're done with hockey. But so let's move on from hockey. Sure. To football. Football is life. Football is life for so many. The Canadian Football League 2023 season got underway last night in Calgary, BC, beating the Stampeders at McMahon Stadium 25-15. Didn't watch that game either. It started at eight o'clock. I was closing my eyes at that point in time. But tonight, 7.30 IG Field, all eyes will be on the Bombers and Ticats. Bo Levi Mitchell, the former Stampeders quarterback, legendary quarterback, who had a rough season last year, moved on, and now Hamilton is intent on being in the Grey Cup as they host the Grey Cup again this year in Hamilton. They want to be there, and of course the Bombers looking to go for the fourth straight season. They've never done that. In their history, they won four great cups in five years back in 58, 59, 61, 62. But they missed going to the great cup altogether in 1960. And that string Edmonton beat them in the West final. And uh, I think it was Ottawa won that year or nor Edmonton. It was Edmonton, Ottawa. And uh, but four or five years, it was Winnipeg versus Hamilton and Winnipeg won all four years. Is this game sort of then is it too much to say this is a. Start of the season, but it's also potentially a precursor for where how we'll end the season. Well, Derek Taylor uh, and I launched, relaunched the Blue Bomber podcast earlier this week, and that's sort of where we started, was the idea that this is a potential Grey Cup preview on opening night for the for, for both these teams. So 
that DT feels uh, very strongly that that's uh, that's the likely most likely of scenarios at this point in time as we uh, kick things off. So it should be a, a blast and a little bit cooler tonight. You know, not going to be battling 32, 33 degrees. So it could be a perfect night for football. And as Greg mentioned, the podcast relaunched, and you can find that at cjob.com. I can tell you when I was loading the Couch Potatoes podcast, I already saw the Blue Bombers podcast just very quietly, but very quickly rising on the charts. So with no fanfare, there you go. People missed that podcast, GMAC. Well, uh, let's keep the momentum going. It's a, it's a blast to, to do, so we're happy to be back. Also today at 6.35, we are going to be talking about, talking to Global's Reggie Cicchini about Donald Trump. Trump says he's been indicted. Right? Are we it, falling for this again? It, it, didn't we go through this a few months ago? We but did. He says he's been indicted. He's been summoned to Miami for Tuesday. Uh and the Department of Justice is not commenting on this yet. So is this happening? Will it happen? What do we make of it? This would be if this goes through, this is the first ever indictment for a former or current president. This hasn't happened. This is on federal charges. On federal charges. Yeah. And so this is a big deal if it goes through. But the, I'm throwing in the if just because we've been down this road before where he proclaims things on social media and you think it's sort of a, him getting ahead of the news, but then the, the news never happens. Yeah, well, NBC News say they that they have confirmed it. However, New York Times says that. There's yeah, a bunch of outlets, Global News but, is yet to confirm it. So we'll see what Reggie Cicchini has to say, how certain this is happening and, and what sorts of charges could the former president be facing. This is probably the top story on the planet right now. All right, so we'll have more on this at 6.35. And then at 7.05, looking forward to this conversation because we spotted something uh, in our system here. We got an email that uh, says that based on the study that they've done, that women make better leaders. Yeah, and it's before everyone gets their backs up, it's the idea that they took a look at how people equate certain values in life, like everything from ethnodiversity to gender equality to your thoughts on indigenous issues and women far outscored in some cases, particularly in younger age categories, men on how they valued many of these things. And so the the message from that then is that if more women get brought into the boardroom, get brought into the politics, into leadership positions, then the better, better conversations will result. Does that mean they're better leaders or does that just create better leadership overall? This seems inevitable to me. Uh, we spent some time at the University of Winnipeg the other day. Brett, I was there the previous Friday and the overwhelming ratio of women versus men in that particular post-secondary institution is come very noticeable it dramatically in fact the class that we did the presentation for there was one man versus what about 18 women in that class yeah. let's ask ourselves in 20 years if we'll see the that, results of that the results of that because you don't see that when you walk into most boardrooms or head offices Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We have bomber tickets to give away for tonight's game. Bombers and Ticats, season opener at IG Field. And today's story is going to be brought to you by Madame Loren. What happened yesterday, Loren? So uh, my kid, my youngest, had a field trip to the Museum of Man and Nature. No, what is it called now? Manitoba Museum. I'm going back to my field trip. Yep. Wow. From grade five. <laughs> so that's, that's what I know it as, too. Sorry. I know it's changed since, but it, I always... Like 20 years ago, they I can't it. get it out of my head. So they're in French immersion, and I roll it's up like at the this... MTS Center. <laughs> exactly. You're going to call it what you want. Winnipeg Stadium. I'm going to call it what I remember. I call the Sky Dome the Sky Dome still, and it's the Rogers Center but for 25 years. It's still Sky Dome, too. Um, so I roll up at this field trip because I said I'd come help out, and right away they're breaking the kids up into groups, and they're like, okay, so-and-so, you're all with Madame Loren? And I was like, ooh. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> and for the rest of the day, we had the best time. Like we're rolling through the museum. They were actually interested in seeing the, the number one. We're like, we got to get to the non-such. Yeah. Last time we were here, we couldn't even get on the non-such because it was crazy. And I was like, should we go there right now? So we get the map out. We beeline it there. And then we go check out the animals. And then they were really because of schools, um, education, how it's changed so much. Wanted to see what was on in residential schools. There was a couple of kids that wanted to read more about that. And they were just wonderful. We did a scavenger hunt in French where I had no idea and I was just shouting all the time and I had the best day. And it just made me want to, want to ask the question to you guys and our listeners about your favorite field trip memories. Because when I was in Minnesota, one of them was to the post office in town 
which is like the size of the studio. I mean, they do great work, but it was like you walk in and the tour is over. One was to the library, which was kind of cool. And then some of them were really, you know, went out the, the, to Winnipeg. Hold on, the Minnedosa The Minnedosa library, library, which you had been to before. <laughs> I took you there and I can't remember why that was. But some of them were to Fort Garry. They were to Winnipeg. We did lots of things at the, the Daily House Museum and Brandon was one. And it was good times. 204-780-6868, your field trip memories for a chance to win some bomber tickets. Producer Jeff Forte, why don't we start with you, sir? Okay, so when I was in daycare, shout out to Razorback Blast in North Kildoni. <laughs> All the way back. That's right. Uh, we used to go on like a bunch of different field trips, but one of my favorites was going to the old Dutch factory. Oh, And oh, so, yeah, we got to watch how, like, you got to see the potatoes, and you got to see them go into the machine, get washed, then cut, and then go through the oil, and it was amazing. But my favorite part was they took a cardboard flat, and at the end of a conveyor belt... They just had these chips just flying into this uh, cardboard box, and we got to taste them. And I'm telling you, there is nothing like a hot, fresh, oily, salted chip. It, <laughs> it was amazing. And we each got, all the kids each got to have a little a few of them, and uh, I kept going around and trying to sneak <laughs> as many as possible up until, you know, the, the instructor's like, no, 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 Jeff, you've had your share. But I'm telling you, it was like crack. Like, I just couldn't get enough. <laughs> I feel like I've been missing out my entire life. I can't no even kidding. believe this I've was allowed. I've never been to the old Dutch factory. I love chips so much. No <laughs> kidding. Who can top a, tri- a trip to the chip factory? I don't think any of us can. All right, let's uh, just go to the news. Segment's <laughs> <laughs> over. Uh, well, Skylar Peters, do you want to take a oh, shot? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is. Oh, this sounds so lame. My favorite field trip. My, my favorite field trip was uh, when I was actually in journalism school in Lethbridge College, and we went to the Lethbridge Herald um, building, and they print their own paper there, which is kind of like small towns don't necessarily do that all the time now. Uh, not that Lethbridge is super small, but um, and like I, I'd, I'd never like you have an idea of like what a printing press looks like and all this stuff. And it's just like it's so like dirty because like of all the ink they have to use. There's so much paper, like pallets and pallets and pallets of paper. And this is not it's not a huge publication or anything like that. And it's just it it's like you went back in time like a hundred years, and it was so cool. And um, they talked about like some of the parts they needed to find for this thing, uh, and getting it in and out of the building. Like if they ever sold the building and you know consolidated with another paper or something like this thing weighs like like tens of thousands of pounds and to see the paper flying through and then, you know, an old style uh, newsroom, <laughs> an old part of the newsroom had like ashtrays and whiskey bottles in it still. <laughs> so times have changed a little bit, I'm sure. They don't use that part anymore, but uh, that was really cool. And that was like my most recent field trip, I guess, my, probably my final one, unless I go back to school. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah, that's fun. Uh, Poitras, what about you? Wow, well, listen, I, I actually... No field trip sticks in my mind more than my absolute worst field trip of all time. (laughs) Um, It was to a festival here in town. I'm not going to mention the name. And I actually have not gone back because of how bad the experience was. And it had nothing to do with the festival. It was probably awesome. But it was the teacher that planned this event. It was a complete disaster. Like we were so excited to go to the place and check it out and, you know, explore and walk around and do I was so excited about it. And all we did was we got sent to little rooms where we got to make trinkets and we were like in grade eight, grade nine. We weren't like little kids anymore, but it was like, it was a field trip planned for grade eight kids like we were in kindergarten. Mm. Like it was like, and now we're going to sing a song and we're going to make crafts. And it was so (laughs) bad. And a bunch of kids were really angry. Yeah, no, it was that. It was it was horrible. And like there was, I wasn't the only one because a bunch of kids complained to their teacher, and uh, complained to their parents. And there was like it was like pandemic. Like everybody, it was it was a big talking point. Like a big PTA. That teacher got pulled from that event, and next year, which we missed because we aged out of it, and they got to do all the stuff that we didn't get to do. (laughs) So it was like our. So we benefited the kids below us. They owe us big time because we had to suffer through that field trip. (laughs) It was so bad. It was so bad. What year was this? This guy needs oh, a hot God. potato chip. This yeah. must have been. Yeah, I do. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, like 1998? Well, I would have been grade 8, so that would have made me 13. So I, it would have been about 2004. Sounds like it was yesterday. Oh, boy. Oh, my God. It was almost 20 years ago. I'm just realizing that. 
<laughs> it was so brutal. And listen, if you were at Robert Andrews at that year in my group and you went to that field trip, you are you're saying, Cam, you're a hundred percent right. It was that bad. Forte, weren't you in the same class? No, he was in no. Reverie. That was oh. in high school. High. Oh. Went to high school oh. together. In East St. Paul. Dave right. just said, boy, Cam has been triggered here. By this <laughs> I, I don't have any memories of any other field trips because of how bad that one was. Okay. <laughs> Mackling, do you want to bring her home? Speechless. <laughs> is speechless. I guess the best one we ever did. We went to the Winnipeg Tribune, which uh, which died in 1980, August 27th, I think, 1980. Of course you know the date. Yeah. Uh, it was my dad's birthday. And oh. my grandma worked there. So it was a pretty big day in our family. Fair. And that was pretty cool. All the vacuum tombs and everything. And they said the information from the first floor to the fourth floor. But my favorite and forever favorite a field trip was when we went to CJOB on Portage Avenue when I was in grade three and we got to learn how the radio station worked. And I'll never forget the room that they had in the basement where they could listen to all the other radio stations. They had this big machine to do that. This was obviously pre-internet. And I got to meet Bob Irving. Oh, that is a good day. That was amazing. <laughs> In a moment, we're going to talk about whether or not women are better leaders than men. But before that, field trip memories. What are yours for a chance to win bomber tickets? What does Andrea have to say? <laughs> that story from Cam was completely my grade eight Festival de Voyager field trip, exclamation, exclamation. Totally thought we were going to experience Festival, but just went to a small room indoors and heard a guitarist play. I feel his pain. Thank you, Andrea. If you had this rolling on the floor again. <laughs> if you missed it, you'll be able to soon find it in the audio vault. Cam went on a rampage at about 6.53 or so uh, talking about his field trip memory and how it still haunts him and enrages him. So tell us your field trip stories for a chance to win bomber tickets for tonight's game. We'll pick a winner at 9.15. Here is the subject line of an email that came to our CJOB address this week. CJOB News at CJOB.com. Survey reveals Canadian women are better at upholding democratic values, making them better leaders and decision makers. So immediately when I saw that, I thought, oh boy, this could be a fun gender war chat. So let's go. <laughs> I think it's more the idea there's some stats to back up what's going on. And by backing up, just the idea that more diversity might create better workspaces. But I'll let our next guest get it into that. So this came from a general social survey by Statistics Canada that found 86% of Canadians strongly value human rights, 81% value gender equality, 80% respect the law. But if, when they delve deeper into the data, more women than men value many of these things. So 71% of women greatly valued ethnocultural diversity compared to just 62% of men. And then if you went into that younger category, 15 to 34 age group, 82% of women agreed they value respects for Indigenous cultures compared to 67% of younger men. So how does this all add up? Suzanne Duncan is the VP of Philanthropy at the Canadian Women's Foundation. Good morning, Suzanne. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Well, let's just start with the survey. What do you pull from that? There's all the numbers, but what does that add up to in your mind? Yeah, you know, it's really interesting. And I don't think that this is new news. We have seen these sorts of um, differences before where we see that women are more likely to agree with social and democratic values, but that spread is getting wider and it's, we're seeing that more through age. And I'll say that this is not just in Canada. This is a growing trend here and elsewhere. We've seen similar data from the U.S. And it's really important to think about this because, you know, we as a, as a country, as Canada, we value human rights, gender equality, respect for Indigenous cultures and diversity. We don't think these are nice to have ideas. These are must-haves for our safety, for our peace, for our well-being, our human dignity, our and we're seeing that women really value these strongly, and yet there's still not a lot of women in politics. There's still not a lot of women um, running companies in this country. You know, we have overall about 30% of folks in legislature and in political legislature are women, very low compared to the fact that we're more than half of the population. And in the top 100 companies in Canada, there's more CEOs named Mark then there are CEOs who are women. So we're seeing that women identify these values. They believe in these values. These values are important to Canada. And yet we don't really have that representation that will help keep those things important in Canada. So Suzanne, how does this add up to creating better boardrooms or better conversations in, in mm -hmm. legislatures and House of Commons? Uh, 
Walk yeah, us through yeah. that process of, of how that creates a better slash stronger leadership. Yeah, well, you know, democracy is really based on the idea that people know what's good for people, right? And that people are making choices that are going to help them and, and their communities. And if we don't have full representation from all the kinds of people in our communities, then those decisions are going to have unintended consequences. So we know that when we have better representation in political spaces, we have decisions that work better for everyone. And the same goes for companies. We know that um, companies, business that have a wide variety of women and diverse people and gender diverse people in leadership positions. They make products that are more attractive to a wider audience. They make better decisions. They they aren't stuck in an echo chamber. And that's what I'm really afraid of as we look at this data, that we're starting to see these, these polarizations and these echo chambers where we know if we come together and we really put that diversity on the table and work together, we're gonna have stronger democratic institutions and stronger business. So what sort of reaction have you had from these results with, for example, do any, any men get their hackles up when they see this? Well, I haven't heard that. Um, and I'm sure you know, these are relatively new statistics coming out. Um, and I know that this conversation is going to continue, but it does really underscore some of the things that we think a lot about. You know, if we've got all these barriers to women and gender diverse people, how are we making sure that we have a healthy, fair and coherent society? And I think that's the big takeaway. I don't think this is about a gender war. I think this is about everybody recognizing that women have a lot to offer and gender diverse people have a lot to offer in these spaces, and we need to make sure that we're taking advantage of that. You know, you were mentioning in the stats that um, younger women in particular and women who have more education, they're more likely to align with these democratic values, but they're also, those, those younger women are also some of the ones who face the most challenges around their mental health, around increased rates of sexual and gendered violence. You know, we've got to really make sure we are clearing the barriers so that we have great people at the table helping make the country strong. So we were joking around a bit about that subject line that came out in the email. Yeah. And I know sometimes that's the hook, right? You're trying to get people yeah, yeah, interested yeah, yeah. and said, you know, the survey reveals they're better at holding these values. So that makes them better leaders and decision makers. And you might be like, whoa, hang on. We're just declaring that. Uh, so are we declaring that or is it more just and I'm OK with declaring that. But, <laughs> but, but or is it more the idea just that your workspace needs to be diversified so that we that we all succeed better? Yeah. And I think there's been study after study after study in the last 20, 30, 40 years that show the more variety and diversity you have in your decision making, the better your outcomes are. So this is just one more proof point. And it's interesting because the things that women are saying they really value in this are the things that we uphold as being Canadian. So we we really want to make sure that we leverage and maximize that so that we can strengthen these values and strengthen the systems and frameworks that, that support these values. Suzanne Duncan is the VP of Philanthropy at the Canadian Women's Foundation. Thank you so much for joining us. And by the way, if if somebody wants to take a closer look at this, can they find this survey online? Oh, absolutely. This was put up by Statistics Canada. So it's a it's a national survey. And if you want to hear more about how women and gender diverse people can succeed in Canada, I'd also encourage folks to visit our website at CanadianWomen.org. Suzanne, thank you so much for joining us. This has been great. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Once again, Suzanne Duncan, VP Philanthropy at the Canadian Women's Foundation. It is Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. It's Friday, which means at 9.05, it's our weekly Gab with Gabby. And we haven't men- forgot to mention this. How did we forget to mention this at 9.35? Who's joining us in the studio? Fred Penner. Penner's Place. It's just, just yeah. Fred Penner. Penner's Place. Legend. Bow, 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 bow. Penner's Place. The last time Fred Penner was here, he had he managed to get Brett and I singing on the air. We suggested that that's probably going to happen again this morning. I wouldn't. And what did Hal say? Brett. Oh, you're going to put that on me? I think he, <laughs> yes. I believe Hal's suggestion was if there is singing to make sure that uh, Loren is not involved. To which I thought, when well, he Lorenz said this privately between you two. Oh no, on the air. When I wasn't morning. here, though. Yeah, yeah. when you See, stepped away. You know, that's like talking <laughs> behind someone's back. He did say that's why he did I it in say front it. of thousands of. Yeah, years, it's behind though, someone's back. It's mean. It's rude. It's not proper radio decorum. <laughs> Come on, I'm serious. I, I enjoy listening to you sing. By the way, it's just I'm I think you have a, I think you have a right lovely now. voice. I don't. I don't care. That's not the point. I said it brings me joy. 
Uh, I we're don't gonna, care. We're gonna, so that's at 9.35, talking sports in a minute, Bombers, and, and what's going on with the Jets and PLD. But before that, reminder, for a chance to win Bomber tickets for tonight's game, we're asking you about your field trip memories, whether they're good or bad. What does David say? Well, first of all, David starts by trying to soften us up with, it's hard to top all your guys' awesome stories. I'm from Thompson. I remember our field trip one year took us to the local ski hill mystery mountain and when we pulled up bus full of kids it felt like you were in bc staring at the mountains it looked that huge it was loads of fun doing tubing and downhill skiing most of us for the first time ever probably was the most fun i've ever had on a field trip cool right on david so keep those coming for a chance to win and we're going to pick our winner at 9 15 so now let's talk some sports the 2023 cfl season got underway last night in calgary bc lions left mcmahon stadium with a 25 to 12 victory over the stampeders and tonight at ig field winnipeg blue bombers host the hamilton tiger cats in their season opener kickoff is scheduled for just after 7 30 our coverage gets underway right now jim toth joins us now Jim, good morning. Good morning, all. And Loren does not want to know what Cam and I say behind her back. Oh, I've heard. <laughs> oh, I've oh, got well, a list. And when I get never to mind. 100, we're at 92 times it's happened, I will be marching down the hallway. I, I this is Loren walking around the station with that Johnny Cash. There's a man going around <laughs> taking names. <laughs> that's just me. Checking them off the list. Yeah, that's right. I was imagining Chris Jericho with his list, a very yeah. Jericho-like action. Um, this from Russ Hobson's article at globalnews.ca, Jim. After three straight trips to the championship game and recent back-to-back great cup wins, how long the championship window can stay open for this team is a big question. What say you, Jim Toth? Well, I think it's still open for sure, but that is my question around this season. It's been three fantastic years. Uh, they didn't like the ending last year, of course. Nobody did, but uh, the three, four years that this sort of regime has had this team firing on all cylinders and signing big-name free agents and keeping their free agents, uh, it's been a great ride. But that is my question around this season is they're so deep, they're so good, they're so talented, but they are getting a little older. And, and I was talking to Doug Brown and I was talking to Derek Taylor about this and uh, Doug Brown mentioned pitch count when it comes to Willie Jefferson to keep him fresh through the game. Maybe he only plays 60% of the snaps. I think that's the balance now. But one of the most fascinating things in pro sports and coaching to me is how you get guys that have sort of been so good for so long to keep up the uh, you know the, the intensity and the play. I know it's a game. I know they love to play. I know they're getting paid to do it. But I look at the Tampa Bay Lightning with John Cooper, and I think that's one of the toughest things to do is to keep your team motivated to go to three straight Stanley Cup finals. Um, and, and it's not that the players don't want to go. It's just that you have to find ways to keep the intensity going, to find new ways to drive yourself. And that's what I'm fascinated around this year's team and, and Mike O'Shea and the coaching staff on how every week to get these guys going, like say they start the season eight and again. And then, and then there's that sort of game nine, 10, 11, 12, where you, you need them to keep, you know, and, and Mike O'Shea is great at that. So, that's the, the one storyline. The other one is the age. I'm, I'm wondering how long it, it is before there is a little regression in some of these star players. But I don't think it's this year. And, but I am going to keep an eye on it. And that's kind of the story around this year. And, and just if they can keep firing in all cylinders. And they had 15 wins last year. They predominantly have the same team back. Some of the younger players, I just talked about the age, younger players like Brady Oliveira and all that, they're a bit older, right? Like Dalton Schoen um, came in. and But he's older and he's got some experience. Can they actually get better? That's what I'll be watching. So that's to watch for tonight and in the weeks ahead, Jim. And then, of course, uh, yesterday we were talking an awful lot about Pierre-Luc Dubois, his future with the Winnipeg Jets. Did we get some clarity? Uh, No, I mean, the clarity is just that, you know, he wants to go to free agency. And I think what's lost in this story a little bit, because I get it, like he doesn't want to be a Winnipeg Jet, and that hurts, and, and, and I understand that. But he has always, when talked about this, including at the end of this season in the exit meeting, talked about the freedom to choose where you go. And and we always focus on the money and we always focus on, on winning and things like that. But he has spoken every time this has come up last season and this offseason that, you know, part of free agency is where you go. He literally said at the end of this season, they tell you where to play your whole career until you reach free agency. It's one of the reasons we like free agency. So, um, he's an asset as John Shannon was, was saying in his report, 
it's not good because I, I know the team made a healthy run at him. I know that they wanted to make him a focal point and, and really wanted to get him long-term and he doesn't want to do it. So now they have to move on and get an asset from him. So I think the clarity is just that, that although this is bad news for Jets fans and, and the long-term viability of having a number one center like that in on your team, the good news is, you know, and now you can sort of do something about it and let the bidding begin. Uh, I mean, I've said this on Jets at noon for weeks now. It's not all doom and gloom if you move for the star players on this team. Connor Hellebuck really, really hurts. He's literally up for the Vesna again this year. But you're not selling land in, in Northwest Territories. You're selling land on the beach in Hawaii right now. These are high-end commodities. And, and when you do that, you bring something back. It is going to be fascinating to me what Kevin Cheveldayoff does with this because I think he could get some really good pieces that can totally change the direction of this organization but also change the culture around it. Now, now what he does with these moves, because he is going to make them, and I believe that there is going to be massive change, is what comes back in that fashion. And I think that should be just as exciting as it is deflating when, when core pieces have to be moved. Now, Jim, for those still paying attention to the Stanley Cup playoffs, yes, they are still playing hockey. There's an age-old adage that it's not a series until somebody loses at home. Panthers with a big win on home ice in Game 3 last night versus Vegas. First shot of overtime, Paul Maurice and the Panthers make it a 2-1 series in Vegas' favor. Does this change the aura of the series? It does change your for sure. Um, I still like the way Vegas played yesterday, but I thought Florida got back to playing the way they can play. Um, Vegas is so deep and so strong and so consistent in all aspects of their game. They're tough to beat, but you have to be playing your best hockey in order to do it. And I thought the Florida Panthers played way better in game three than games one and two. So now you do have a series. It is going back to Vegas. I noticed how all the media covering it were very excited to get to go back to Vegas in about two days. Um, but I think this is a series now. And to me, the key is, can Florida continue to find their game? I, I thought Bobrovsky was sensational again last night. But the reason he struggled in the first two games, I think, is because of the way the team played in front of him. Maybe it's nerves. Maybe it's an experience. We all know Vegas has been in there and around there the past six seasons. And Florida really hasn't. They've had some really bad playoff upsets. To me, it was a statement game for them that Paul Maurice can now harness that and say, look, if we just relax, if we just play our style, we're in this. We have a shot. So game four will be telling because you do not want to go back to game five facing or back to Vegas facing elimination. But I liked what I saw from the Florida Panthers last night and the fact that it didn't look like game one and two. It didn't look like they were, you know, they have to clean up the penalties, but it didn't look like they were running around. They're a physical, hard-hitting team that needs to use that to their advantage. And I thought they did that and defended better last night. So I think we do have a series. I'm, I'm really interested in Saturday's game, game four. Um, they need to win it, but also I think if they play their style, like w- w- when that game ended in overtime and all the players went to Robrovsky, it wasn't because he had his best game in the playoffs. He's been sensational throughout the playoffs. What they went to him in my mind for was, hey, you held us in it. Like we, this was a 2-2 tight game, one nothing, 2-1, then 2-2. And you were just there at every turn. And I think that that's them thanking him for understanding that they played better, but also we kind of left you out to dry the, the first two games. So I think you do have a series now. Jim Toth, Cameron Poitras, Jets at noon, 12 till 1. Uh, the whole idea, maybe you can talk about this today, the whole idea the better Bobrovsky plays, the more critical he is in whatever success the Panthers have, maybe the market and the value of Connor Hellebuck goes up. I'll have you ponder yeah. that. We can't talk about it right now, but I want you to think about it. <laughs> well, he's making $10 million. So if anybody uh, wants somebody to win a Stanley Cup based solely on goaltending, it's uh, any goalie like Connor Hellebuck that needs to get a contract in about a year. So you're right, Greg. Jim Toth, thank you so much, sir. Have a good weekend. All the best to all three of you. Have a good weekend. Once again, Jim Toth, co-host of Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras, 12 until 1, and then the Jim Toth Show, 1 until 3 on 680 CJOB. And our question of the day, by the way, at CJOB.com, football-related. Some are calling tonight's game between the Blue Bombers and Tiger Cats, a preview of the Grey Cup final. What say you? So far, 12% say yes, they will both be in the final. 20% say Bombers will make it. Not sure about the Tiger Cats. And 68% say slow down. It is the first game. Pump your brakes, DT. Pump your brakes. 
Friday just after nine. Greg Mackling, what does that mean? It is time to visit with our good friend from down the hall at Global News Morning. The face, the voice, the life, the light of Global News Morning, Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. till 9 a.m. on Channel 9, Cable 12, CKND Television here in Winnipeg. Hi, Gabrielle Marchand. Good morning. I said this before. I wish I could just walk around with you. Like, I could have the dollars to pay you to be my hype man because that makes my face. I just was smiling so big at Greg that my jaw detached, I think. That may face. be less expensive than you can possibly <laughs> imagine. Like, you could go to McDonald's and before you come in, <laughs> just everybody, just for a second, take a look at the doors. Entering now, take for her quarter pounder. Curtsy, Neil. But I'd want you to, not like, not to direct people to my work. I'd want you to talk about how I'm like the wine queen of the exchange or something. The boxed wine queen of the exchange here to get her chicken burger. You know? <laughs> awesome. I've done that. Work on that. So as we, we like to do with you, Gabby, we review some of the lighter topics and one of the things we discussed this week is summer yard shenanigans and because they were playing cornhole out in the plaza yesterday. Uh, they had games in the plaza. They were playing Jenga and Connect Four and cornhole. And you mentioned something called Saskatchewan darts. So refresh my memory. What are Saskatchewan darts? It's when you basically play a drinking game where you all put your cups on the ground and then you take oh. your you take your shoes off. You have to be barefoot or in flip-flops. And then you throw darts, not big, long darts, small darts, at, at each other's feet. And then you can't flinch. So if if you oh. flinch, you have to drink your entire drink. And then if you hit somebody's uh, can or their cup, especially if you pierce the can with a dart, then they have to drink the drink. You know what I mean? This so, seems because yesterday, Skylar, I thought you were about to go down yeah. the same road. Skylar Peters had a I don't know what they called it in Brandon. Dark face. I don't know. It was something like, but they just would throw it at the cups, wasn't it? That they'd hit each other's cups. Inevitably, cans. Cans. Inevitably, you'd be hurt. Yes. At some oh, point, but goodness. you weren't intentionally like Saskatchewan's really gone out on a on the feet? on a limb, an actual feet. limb. Yeah, because I think Skylar said if you got hit like in the face, they would call you dart mouth. Like what? Dart you could, mouth, like called Nova dart Scotia. Knee. I don't know. Anyway, a lot of dark shenanigans were occurring. I'd rather take it in the feet than in the mouth, though, That's crazy, though. Willingly and purposefully in the feet. Only in Saskatchewan. Do you have any scars? No. You know what? I I would generally flinch and then just have to drink. Like, I was the queen of flinching, drinking, flinching, drinking. But some friends of mine in Thunder Bay used to organize this thing, and they were all in their mid-30s, and I loved it. They'd pick a weekend, and they would organize all these games outside that obviously involved, like, a lot of eating and drinking, but it was called Sloppy Olympics. And uh, it was a blast. And what a great way, you know, like the kids would be maybe babysat by one collective person at somebody's house and everybody just got together for a sloppy Olympics. What kind of stuff was in the sloppy Olympics? Like similar things. You'd have lawn games and such. I think there's like Twister outside, which is really unpleasant during the summer. I never want to do that. Don't touch (laughs) me with your sweaty body. Get away. (laughs) But we should do it. We should do one at work. I mean, Twister's hard. Yeah. Like that, you know, when the kids are little, it's you're you're contorting yourself. Plus, you got to like stay in that position for a long length of time. And they're little, and their lower center of gravity, they're getting down there, and you're just like, I am not here for this. This half is a the, lot. Half the chores I don't do around the house because I got to bend over, pick stuff up <laughs> off the floor. <laughs> it's way too far down there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd probably dislocate my knee trying to play Twister. Okay, coolest thing you ever won. Like the the guy with the Smitty sign at the Blue Jays game saying my wife thinks I'm watching this game at uh, Smitty's in Winnipeg, but he was in Minnesota. Well, Smitty's gave him free wings for a year. That guy won the best prize. I can't even imagine getting free wings, like free chicken. And I want to know how often can he go? Free chicken, how often? Because those Smitty's wings are pretty darn good. Oh, yeah. They're some of the best in the city. I would say so, yeah. So what's the coolest thing you've ever won? Oh, sorry. My response to this is really not very great. I, I never win anything. Like, I, I don't win things. I think one time Greg Macklin got me a scratch and win ticket for my birthday, and I won another one. Like, I won two bucks so that I could get another scratch You're and win welcome. ticket. That was pretty cool. <laughs> but I, I, you know I think some people have more luck. Do you yes. know what I mean? Where oh, they yes. win continually, and I'm not sure what they're doing or who they're paying off. But They're they playing. They're playing. They're in the game. You have to get in the game to win. It's impossible to win from the sidelines. Gabby. This has become so inspirational. Get in the game, Gabby, or you'll never win anything. <laughs> <laughs> and we are also discussing uh, unique spots where you've enjoyed uh, cold beverage, uh, whether it's uh, like a hidden gem or maybe just a really neat place. And I think yours involves a hike. Yeah, I used to live in BC and we'd always pack lots of snacks because that's the whole point of going on a hike Agreed. is to eat, right? Yep. So there was this one hike in near Victoria, Isuk Trail, and you do a lot of up and down. It's not crazy. Like you're not summiting a mountain. But at the end, there's this 
kind of climby-ish part. And then you get to this beautiful rock and you're overlooking the ocean. So we all cracked a beer, but it was like a really big beer. There's also a BC beer. So it was 8%. And then it was delicious, had a sandwich. And then after I thought, hmm, that's not such a smart idea. Cause now I have to get down Damn. with this little buzz that's hitting me, but it was still a gorgeous moment, you know? enjoy a cold brewski overlooking the ocean it's say even if there was no beer involved the road snack food like just it could be the same sandwich you'd eat at home but when you're out on a trail yes. or just staring at something you're like yes. this salami like where's the salami from like, <laughs> it's like it's the same salami you had yesterday like, is it is it like you're just astounded at how good it is sandwiches are so satisfying do you find that like where you're when you're really hungry if you've exercised something about a sandwich with the lettuce and the mayo and the Especially if somebody else has made it. I always find a a sandwich made by myself is good, but it's even better when somebody else makes it. And we used to pack sandwiches from Subway to do spring skiing at Silver Star and do the same thing. We'd hide a beer and we'd go up and we'd, we'd, we'd break open a beer, but we'd have the Subway sandwiches and we'd have them to put the lettuce on the side because we would go the day before right. because it's the lettuce that makes it soggy. And it, on the side, yeah, there's a method to the madness and that is the best Subway sandwich that you could possibly have. What a pro tip. Pro tip. Lettuce on the lettuce side. Lettuce on the side if you're having the sandwich the next day. And if you like tomato, same thing. And lettuce, tomato on the side. Everything else you can put on. Make double, too. Yeah. Just on Sunday, we drove to Pinawa to go tubing. Packed a lunch. We got to Dugold. <laughs> <laughs> and I was said all I could all I could think about since I had made those sandwiches. So I gotta get into those sandwiches. <laughs> and then I pulled over, got the chips, you know, to put in the sandwich, and then and then we were starving for like the rest of the day because yeah, you get a double double yeah, pack. Never never lunch up too soon. <laughs> Gabriel Marchand is the host of Global News Morning, weekdays, six AM to nine AM on Global Winnipeg. Gabby, always a pleasure. Happy weekend, everybody. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb as we listen to some Aldo Nova. We're asking you at 204-780-6868 to tell us about your field trips, your field trip memories, whether they be good or whether they be bad for a chance to win bomber tickets for tonight's game, baby. A couple of runners up as usual. Let's start, Greg, with Bruce. I remember when I was in grade three going to Crestview School. Our class did a field trip to Floor Fort Gary. I was... Excuse me. I was very prone to wandering at that age and realized at the end of the day that my class had left without me. This was long before cell phones were a thing. And I remember having to sit with a man named Mr. George, who kept me company (laughs) until somebody from the school came back to pick me up. Let's just say my parents were not impressed, but I had a great day. That was my big fear yesterday, chaperoning Brad. I was like, I cannot lose. I only had five. One was my own. How could you possibly lose them? So I said, let's give ourselves a team name. And one of the kids came up with Uranus because they thought that would be funny of if course. I yelled that out. Yep. We ended up being Team Pluto. <laughs> but all, all day, Pluto, going left up here. I just did not want to lose anybody. That's Here. that's pretty. That's actually a really clever idea. Good stuff. Um, Mark Baker is one of our other runners up. Loren, what did Mark have for us? My absolutely best field trip is when our electronics teacher in Selkirk, Mr. Thomas, decided to organize a field trip to view Haley's Comet. We all gathered in his van at 2.30 in the morning to drive out into the country and watch a dusty snowball in the sky with his telescope. I know he didn't have to do that. He probably wasn't funded by the school. It was greatly appreciated, and I will never forget that trip or the teacher. What an amazing man. He organized hot chocolate and snacks and had to use his own cargo van. What a blast. That is so nice. Uh, Mark, thank you for sharing. Once again, tough to pick a winner, just one, but Al is our winner. And Al starts by saying, I may be old and dated in my 50s. Come on, Al. Don't be so hard on yourself, buddy. But Al says, the most memorable field trip ever was in grade two. Who did our class visit at what is now the Centre Culturel Franco-Manitoben? None. The one, the only, the great Mr. Dressup with Casey and Finnegan. Nice. Like, come on. He's, Al says he came out during our lunchtime in the hallway to meet us, and he came over and talked to me. I asked him where Casey and Finnegan were, and Ernie Coombs remarked they were having lunch. So that was a bit of a bummer. No shade, by the way, Al says to Fred Penner. He's amazing as well, but Mr. Dressup's visit and presence in my childhood and this field trip still holds a place in my heart. I used to dream about offing Casey the puppet. (laughs) 
and taking his place. Really? As like a live character on Mr. Dress Up. Oh. Why, why a puppet? It's no, true. you could have a kid, Casey, and have a real dog or whatever. Puppets, come on. Give me a break. How much did you dream about what those settings look like? All the like? time. Like what, I wonder what that, what's going to look like if time. I went through that door. What's behind that door? Mm-hmm. Why can't I be there? Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yep. I always wanted to know what's going on in the and in this corner or that corner. So that's great, Al. That's all, that's so cool that you got to meet Mr. Dress Up. So congratulations, you win the bomber tickets. You're going to the game tonight. Right now, we are excited for this because the Winnipeg International Children's Festival is underway. It's one of our city's favorite events. goes through until Sunday at the Forks. Festival favorite, multi-Juno award winner, and member of the Order of Canada. Just to name a few of his credentials, Fred Penner is back for his 37th festival appearance. Fred Penner is among the most beloved artists for family audiences of all time. Loren McNabb. Fred Prenner joins us in studio. Thank you so much for being here, Fred. It's the big trio here. All right. So I heard those tunes. Lay it on me. I actually was humming (laughs) this song all throughout the morning, Penner's Place. Mm. And I'm wondering, (laughs) it's such a happy song, invokes joy, but you had Mm. to hear it on a fairly regular basis. Did it ever get like, okay, I don't need to hear this song the, anymore? Like the opening theme? The opening theme. Here's here's a story that you, I, I'm sure you don't know. I wrote I wrote the theme uh, in the key of D. And uh, when the first episode was happening and we had a full six-foot log and I crawled into the log and it's it's padded... You know, I, I mean, it's just just styrofoam, etc. Looks looks That's great. That's not a real log. Sorry, sorry I'm sorry. kidding. <laughs> so I, I I I crawled crawled into the log. The beginning of of this era, almost a thousand episodes, ultimately. But I'm I'm inside the log, and I'm and I'm I'm breathing. I'm thinking, okay, I I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to uh, the song's going to happen. I'm going to crawl through and begin this this multi year, thirteen year journey. And as the theme started playing. I swear, the log began to vibrate. I felt this, this sound, this this energy, you know, like a sympathetic vibration. You know, the, yeah, that's. I mean, you, you as a concert pianist, you know that. <laughs> that was jokingly said uh, off air by Greg, not me, just to be clear. But yes, continue. Yeah. yeah. So the, the, I mean, everything has a vibration, right? And and if you can play in sympathy with with that inanimate object. You can actually make it move. So I, I, I believe, and I'll, I'll stick to it, that the log started to vibrate in the key of D, and and I, it, it just, it just gave me a buoyance, buoyancy, and I, you know, I crawled through, and so we began. That that TV show was <laughs> such a large, such a large part of so many memories for so many kids across Canada, and and of course here in Winnipeg. I, you know, you being a Winnipegger, I think we felt an extra special affinity or affection for that program. How did you get to that point where you know we know stand-up comedians have uh, you know notoriously been tapped to do a TV show, but you know, children's performers something we do pretty well here in Canada. True. How did you get discovered? Well, as far as the TV series was concerned, I, I mean, I did my first record, The Cat Came Back way back in uh, 1979 uh Rafi's company Troubadour Records uh, connected with him lived you know, worked with uh, with that company for 5 years did more albums so I had built pre pre Fred Penner's place I'd built uh five albums at that point I toured nationally because the early uh, early kids festivals from Vancouver across Canada were happening. So it was all starting, the energy was there, and CBC was looking for a replacement for the Friendly Giant. And out of the blue, and, and I mean, I had no, I, I, I've never had a plan. I mean, I, I've always just gone along with wherever things, you know, would lead me. And sure enough, CBC had been following me at these festivals because they were so so vibrant and so big for all of us. And Dodie Robb, who was the head of children's back then, she gave me a call and said, "Fred, we've been watching your work. Would you like to do a TV series?" And I and I said, "Sure. Why uh, why not? But what do you want me to do?" And she said, "What would you like to do?" You know, so they didn't come to me with a, "We've got a log, we've got a bird, we got, you know, all that business." It was, "What is your druther? What would you like?" 
And so I, I did. And as I, as I do when I'm doing any project, I do soul searching. I go deep. I try and figure out what is it that I really want to bring forward. And I knew I didn't want a, you know, a, like a studio like this with, with a door, you knock on it, come on in, we're together. I wanted something natural because that was important, just important to me. So how do you, how do you create that? And the idea of having a hollow log to crawl through that would give the viewing audience a sense of protection because not everybody knew how to get there. You had to, you know, cross a, across a meadow, go around a tree, follow the fence, look at that, wave to the birds, you know, etc. You had to follow a path that would lead you to the log that would take you in to this secure environment where we could be together. And I think that's why, why parents were uh, comfortable allowing their kids to just be there with me, you know, set them, set them up in front of the TV and they can go about their business or, or sit with the kids. But that's, that's where it began. And, uh, lots of writers across the country that, uh, that contributed to the series and it just, it just built and, and built and grew and the rest is history. Our guest is Fred Penner. He's in Winnipeg for the International Children's Festival. And Fred, uh, at a recent keynote address to an early childhood mm. education conference. Uh, we understand that you delivered a simple yet powerful message. Yeah, and it sticks with me. I, uh, I, I use it as often as, as I can. It's uh, never underestimate your ability to make a difference in the life of a child. And that's, that's key. My, I, was, uh, I, I was the middle of five kids. My youngest sister was born with Down syndrome. And I remember as a teenager watching how music affected her. And that became, you know, the, the, the key to never underestimate. Uh, she, she loved music. It would get inside of her to the point of tears. And so as I moved into the industry, it was, oh, that's what this is all about. That's what music is capable of doing. So my, my music, I didn't want to go just laka, 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 have some fun noise, color. It, it had to go deep. Take good care of each other. The last song of Fred Penner's place is is not a not a flippant song. It's a, as serious as a message as I can possibly offer to any audience, and especially now because of the insanity that we're that we're going through. Um, we we have to take care of each other. We have to be accepting and understanding and respectful. Bottom line, respectful to the people around us, and and for heaven's sakes, let's try and really find some truth in this world, because truth is now becoming an unknown, <coughs> excuse me, um, where AI is coming in, where you don't know what's real visually or audio-wise. So my message to the parents listening now is come up with safe words that you can share with your kids. So if you suddenly get a call from somebody saying, I, I, you know, it, it's me, your, your grandson, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm trapped in Mexico, I need, I need $5,000. And you say, what's the safe word? What's the word that we have communicated that lets me know who you really are? And if you don't have that, then then you hang up. The connection that comes through music is super powerful, right? It, you can sometimes not talk to a child the same way. You could just sing a song together and then connect on that level. And so I'm wondering, is that what... Is the music what with the kids what keeps you going? Because some people will say at some point you want to retire or not do it. And kids can also be loud and rambunctious and in your face. And yet mm -hmm. here you coming back to children's festivals year after year. So what what yeah. comes back to you from the children? Well, what's what's vital for me is the is that person to person communication. I mean, we uh, it, it's so simple in my mind. I I'm I'm a septuagenarian. I play guitar really well. I sing pretty good. And it's, it's me on stage with some friends as a human being sharing something that I've learned. And, and this festival is, is such a great example of that. There's a seven-piece seven uh, circus from Chicago, all women mm -hmm. who are empowering other females to, to just learn about their bodies and learn how to express themselves. There's an African uh, acrobatic troupe that's come in. So it's truly an international event. And Neil Rempel, this is important, from uh, who's the artistic director is now really implementing uh, MTYP as part of the performances. So there's there's just a, a, a beautiful range of things that I hope the parents, you know, come and uh, come in and show 
what the alternative to social media, to the devices that we are are wrapped in right now. Uh, let's let's try something a little bit different and uh, and come and explore this. As I record you with my iPhone, <laughs> as I'm enraptured with with the benefits of these technologies and to capture these moments, I mentioned the fact that you're a big part of a lot of folks lives and, and their childhood and memories of such, Fred, but do you ever get a sense of the impact that you've had on on people of, of our generation in terms of, you know, do they share those stories yep. and, and are, are there stories, is there maybe one that maybe stands out for you? Someone comes up with their kid <laughs> or grandkid and says, I got to tell you this, the impact there's, you had on me, Fred. There's really too too many of those to even even mention, but at I did my first show yesterday had lots of, of parents of that generation, the 30s, 40s, who are, are having having kids, babies coming up. So it's multi-generational, and, and people keep coming up saying that they remember me from their childhood, and they want their kids to have the same experience, which is which is not happening anymore. The TV series is gone. They've they, you know there's no reruns that are happening other than a few that that may be on on YouTube or something. Uh, but 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 people felt really strongly about the value of the program, and and I I can't thank you know thank them enough for 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 connecting on that level. I mean in in many ways the the series linked with the DNA of these young children mm-hmm. because those first five six years when they would have been watching that's when personality is being formed. So they they got into it. They listened to the music. They they felt the songs. They remembered the songs. So as they you know reach adulthood, inevitably people go back to their beginnings and say, "What was it that I? Who was that guy? I seem to you know." And it's oh yeah, the log. Oh the bird. Oh yeah. And suddenly this flood of memory returns, and it it is uh, it's it's powerful. And when I when I feel that from the audience, I, I I'm overwhelmed. Because I never knew where that would go. That was never, you know, my intent that I'm going to be on television and everybody's going to follow me and be la la la. It was it was all about the one child singing a song as if there was one child in front of me. I'm singing to you, only to you, and you're and you're taking it in. And then there's you know it just it, that was the way it began. And I I still try and. Hold that true to my heart. So strangers adore you. You're also a grandfather. So you have grandkids yeah. out there who say, my grandpa is Fred Penner. <laughs> Did they have a number one request for you that you would maybe oh, even play for us? Like oh, when they say, grandpa, please play. There's, there's a few. Um, uh, here's here. I, I've got one. Here, You know what? I, I'm, yeah. I'm just going to jump in here because we are almost out of time. So we're going to what we're going to do is we're going to take a break. Okay. And we're going to check our forecast and then we'll get two more minutes with Fred Penner. He's got okay. the guitar in his hand. That's coming up next on 680 CJOB. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Fred Penner is here for the Winnipeg International Children's Festival. The guitar is in his hands. Fred, it is. let her rip. Ooh, all right. So uh, one of the most disappointing things that I've, I've felt along, along this, this last little while is that rainbows have become negative things because, because of LGBTQ. And, and, and I, come on, come on, people. Pay attention, we're all in this together. Red and yellow and pink and green, purple and orange and blue. I can sing a rainbow, sing a rainbow, sing a rainbow too. Listen with your eyes, listen with your eyes, and hear everything you see. We can sing a rainbow, sing a rainbow, sing along with me. Red and yellow, pink and green, purple and orange and blue. We can sing a rainbow, sing a rainbow, sing a rainbow too. I can sing a rainbow. Thank you so much. It my, it my pleasure. 
Keep, keep, keep the faith, people. Keep the faith and take good care of each other. Fred Penner performing at the Winnipeg International Children's Festival. Sing along with Fred in the Festival Park Tent, Saturday at 1 and Sunday at 2. Fred Penner, joining us live on CJOB.